Welcome to episode 33 of Soccer Over Gotham. This is your host, Gary. Gotham FC gets its first goal from run of play in its first win, its first road win of the Cup in the 22 season. Ruby and I will break down this miraculous ending and give our takeaways. We look, take a look inside supporter culture and preview the courage with the VP of the Uproar Supporter Group, Jessica Turner. Stick around for that. But all right, without any further ado, let's go Gotham. Thanks for listening. Now let's get on to the show. Ruby, finally, some good vibes. Good to have you back. Congrats on your anniversary. Heck yes. I'm so glad to be back. Very, very happy to be back. And I just want to say thank you to Miki for covering for me while I was out for my wedding anniversary. Thank you. Uh, that was a great show. So I just want to say a little bit what I did for my wedding anniversary. It was kind of like a staycation. We didn't do anything. We usually go like out of state or whatever, but not this time because three weeks ago we went to Vegas. So we stay local. We went to a Broadway play. We went to see the Tina Turner play, which was amazing. Loved it. I would recommend it. It was two hours and 45 minutes long, but it's definitely worth it because it's that good. Then Saturday, we treated ourselves, did our hair. And then Sunday, our anniversary day, we went for a helicopter ride over Manhattan. And then for dinner, it was wonderful. It was so much fun. But let's get to soccer. Helicopter ride. That's awesome. Yeah. And that day, it kind of like was kind of snowing. So I was a little yeah. scared. So I was like, the, the guy in the front desk, he's like, I'm going to go check with the pilot to make sure the flying conditions are fine. I started getting worried. I was like, if you have to reschedule, you can reschedule. Yeah, please. <laughs> but everything was good. Yeah. Yeah. Everything is doing well on my end. Again, congrats on your anniversary. But it was good to see Carly out there and off of Twitter for a little bit. Uh, <laughs> she was at the World Cup draw today. So everybody just keep her busy. <laughs> 91K in attendance for Real Madrid Barcelona game shattering all records again it feels like we're reaching a tipping point not just for women's soccer but for women's sports i love to see it insane that was amazing to see it kind of made me want to be there <laughs> yeah we definitely got to go so on the gotham front livingstone is signed no no word on mandy freeman yet but hopefully the timing is just coincidence between manny's injury and her signing okay so let's get to this game recap shall we Let's go. All right. So some roster highlights. A new look for Gotham. Gotham rolls out the best back four in the league. Dorsey, Freeman, Krieger, and Didasco. But here's where things get interesting. For the first time in recent memory, Gotham rolls out only one defensive midfielder, just Captain Zerboni. And then two central midfielders were Mewis and Kawasumi. Kawasumi was occupying the wider spots. And then a flat three attacking front of Page, Anamano, and Purse. Ruby, your thoughts on this lineup? Well, what I think is that if we want to get different results, we need to try different things. And I think this is what Scott was shooting for when we went all offense and a little bit defense with Zerboni. I still miss Ali Long here, but they did a great job. Zerboni, you know, held her own right there. I would like to see more of Tucker. I would have liked to see more of Tucker, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think Gotham just wanted to get forward and kind of really test Orlando's new back line. There's a ton of pace with those three up there. And I just think mm -hmm. again, Gotham wanted those players running at and facing the defense as much as possible. After these first two games, as you said, a change was needed. 
So let's get to this game. So the new formation does give a bit of a spark as it gets Monahan more room to run at players in wide spots. She forced Strom to pull her down early and get and if Paige just blew past her in the open space, giving her the card. Gotham creates more shots, nine in the first half than they did in the first two games in their entirety. But ultimately, zero of them were on target. Orlando seemingly was content with putting 10 players behind the ball and just trying to launch LaRue behind the high Gotham back line, which he did a couple of times. So good on Freeman and Krieger to force the shoot off balance. Good on Ashlyn Harris to make some really good saves. Krieger picks up a card in the process of trying to hang on to LaRue there. Pretty uneventful first half for Gotham. Did you have any really good thoughts on this first half, Ruby? I feel in this first half, Gotham was shooting, but they were shooting, but they were taking too many extra touches or they, they were trying to finish in one touch and they were shooting off target. Gotham defense did put in some work last, the night of the game and Ashley Harris made some great saves. It was LaRue versus Harris that night and I'm so glad that Harris won, won that battle. Uh, LaRue is a fast player, but Harris is very good at blocking those short-range shots. Yeah, this was definitely the Dorsey and Freeman show early on. I'm telling you, those two leveled up in the offseason. For Dorsey being called into the national team over the offseason really boosted her confidence because those two have been absolutely on point. Their anticipation has been like so high. They were just popping up and cutting out every ball. And Dorsey just seems to know what every offensive player wants to do before they do it. Mm-hmm. Also, also like her confidence on the ball going forward has improved vastly. I think her link-up ability has gotten better as well. I still want to see more of her going forward, getting in some good crosses in, some more link-up play. But as she got called into the national team again, to be an outside back in a national team, you have to be a two-way player. So she's got to improve a little bit on her forward abilities. The second half, Zerboni gives away a ball at the top of the box early, forcing her to track back and take a yellow. Orlando realizing they're not getting anywhere near goal, just start firing from long range, which for any Gotham fan brings back some pretty <laughs> bad memories from last season. I think Gotham fans thinking they've seen this movie plenty of times before. <laughs> so Doherty Howard hits, hits the far post. James hits the, the crossbar. The part of the second best chance of the night comes from purse with a nutmeg dummy in the open space near half getting to the end line and playing the ball across. Mewis seems surprised by the rebound and puts the ball only in the spot where the keeper can save it. Gotham should be up at this point. The signs of Mewis and Purse partnership starting to show as they are finding each other through the lines. Page looks fired up and blows by her defender a couple times and is still the most dangerous player on the pitch. Gotham line changes around the 70th minute. Yokoyama, Jean, and Torres for Kawasumi, Mewis, and Dorsey. Then Freeman leaves with a bit of an in- injury. Still, yep, no injury update on, on her. She was replaced by Johnson. I think every Gotham fan's heart sunk every time Orlando took a low percentage shot from the outside. At this point in the match, it looks easily destined for a draw. Then seemingly, out of nowhere, from a throw-in in our back third, Ellie Jean receives a ball and just laces it over the top of the defense to a perfect spot. That spot where the keeper has to come out out of the box and challenge for it. And frankly, it was going to go to the player who wanted it the most. And that player was Midge Purst. She fights off her defender who had, a, who had like a six yard head start on her, blows by her, gets the ball, blasted by the keeper and just 
falls down with a big, huge smile on her face. What an amazing ending, Ruby. Incredible, right? That was so incredible. And in this second half, we saw no changes coming in into the second half. Again, I was expecting Tucker to come in in the second half, but that didn't happen. I would I would love to see more of her. Uh, most of the second half was a repeat of the first half, and I really thought this was going to end up in a 0-0 draw, but Mitch Purge showed up for Gotham around the 85th minute. And that's when the game started to get a little spicier. Purge battle for that ball, and she won. Then Orlando found, found some energy out of nowhere. They came out for Gotham everywhere they were attacking Gotham here there everywhere those last five minutes plus the extra four minutes were nerve-wracking but exciting that we won so happy yeah that goal though yeah you, you talk about a moment that you can turn around a whole season that goal took us back into contention in the group there's a difference between us getting two points on the road and four points. That's a big difference. Sometimes a struggling team just needs that one spark. Maybe that's the moment that gets this attack going. And side note, what a ball from Ellie Jean. Ellie Jean. <laughs> <laughs> but this team still has some work to do. But little by little, Gotham is finding their groove. Uh, regular seasons around the corner, you know, time flies. If they keep playing playing this way, we're going to have another repeat, repeat of 2021, and we don't want that. I mean, we had a great season, but we want some goals. We want some goals. We want to find the back of the net. We have a lot of talent in our roster, so it makes me nervous that we are not able to find that back of the net. And talking about talent, again, I want to see Ellie Jean get more minutes in the next game on this Sunday against North Carolina. Yeah, I agree with that completely. And as you're right, this team is still just a bit off. They're missing on some pretty textbook connections. So this preseason must have been a rough one because this team does not seem connected very well. Simple passes are kind of way off target. Like Dasko hasn't quite returned to her top player form yet. I mean, it's still early. The way I see it, plays aren't always going to come off. It's the nature of the sport. What I look for is the intention of the play. If the mindset is right, if it's the right play given the circumstances, then over the past three games, a lot of these plays haven't come off. Yes, but they're the right plays. So which gives me hope. So as long as you're doing the right things over and over again, they are eventually going to come off. This is There's so much potential here. Again, it's still very, very early. Yes, that's true. And like you said, the mindset, it's right and the intentions are right. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see a goal from Didasco this season again. I was watching some of the training videos. I think it was from today. And she she has game. <laughs> yeah, certainly does. Going back to the goal again, because I can't get over it. <laughs> As the captain of the Ellie Jean hype train, I just wanted to say, I told you also on that entry ball, how much we needed a player of her caliber as a depth option, it's immeasurable. Yeah. Dorsey being called in and Midge is a certified superstar. You know what? I'm I'm on that train with you, Gary. I'm on the Ellie Jean train now. Let's let's get good, it. Good. Good. <laughs> got a couple seat couple seats left. <laughs> get so, it while you can. So final thoughts. Let's take a deeper dive into this game. Do you have any final takeaways, Ruby? So the next three games are gonna are gonna be at Red Bull Arena, our house, our field. Great field to play, so no excuses this time. Let's win.
let's bottle up these good vibes and just take it with us to RBA. Yes, all the good vibes and manifesting all the wins. Right. Do you have any stats of the week? So my stat for the week uh, is Gotham FC had 46% possession of the ball for the game against Orlando, which is not much different from last game against Washington. But being first to the ball makes a difference. You see how Mitch Purse fought for that ball, and she was first to the ball. She got a goal, an amazing goal. And for me, my stat was zero. So first shot out of the, <laughs> first shot of the season, it's been coming. Defense looks solid out of the gate. It's going to be a long season for opposing attackers. <laughs> Let's get to our player of the week over on Twitter at Over Gotham Pod. Said it was Purse. Do you agree, Ruby? Purse definitely shined in that game, but defense had a lot of work to do that day. I was going to go with Dorsey, but then I was thinking about all the saves that Ashlyn Harris did. So I'm going to go with Ashlyn Harris just because these one-on-one with Sydney LaRue, they're, they're incredible. Yeah, I definitely see that. For me, the hero the city needs was Vinch Purse. She showed up. You have to give it to her for me. So let's go over some news and some league info. So let's move forward. Let's look at our group and where we stand. So what a difference a goal makes. Gotham climbs the second in the group after the spirit tie the courage. This is a great spot to be in with three consecutive home games to go. Gotham probably needs to win two of these three, and that's not unreasonable, but Gotham needs to start scoring some goals. That's true. And again, we're going to be at Red Bull Arena. This is our home 2021 regular season. We lost only three times at home out of 11 games at home. So we have very good chances that we're going to win at home. What's your prediction? My prediction, well, this is going to be a good game against North Carolina. North Carolina has a solid team. We saw it. We They're on the top of the table right now for the East Coast. But my prediction is 1-1, a draw. Yeah. Yeah, I say we reverse the polarity of the first game and roll with the courage 2-0. to zero. Any random thoughts before we go? Random thought. Well, I haven't talked about my new show alert. It's been a while since I've done this, but I've started watching Avid Elementary. I don't know if you heard of it, but it's so freaking funny. It's on ABC. It's kind of similar to The Office, but like in a school setting, I recommend it 100%. It's so damn funny. Yeah. All right, I'm going to close my random thoughts with a quote that I think kind of fits what we were talking about earlier about just doing the right things over and over again. It was a quote from Serena Williams. It basically says, luck has nothing to do with it. She goes, I've spent countless hours on the court working for my one moment in time, not knowing when it will come. And to me, that speaks to everything about being a professional athlete. It's just You go in, you work hard, and you do the right things over and over again. You never know when that's going to come. You watch the best goal scorers in soccer, and it always seems like it's so easy to them. They're always making the right runs at the right time. It's because they do make the right runs at the right time over and over again. And nine times out of ten, the ball might not reach you, but when it does, it's going in the back of the net because you've done the right things over and over and over again. So this team is doing that, and I do think that – over time, once we get settled in, once we start making those connections, this team's going to be really good because we've got a lot of good soccer players with really high soccer IQs that are going to do really well over the long haul of the season. So let's hopefully it starts this Sunday 
at Red Bull Arena at 3 p.m. I can't wait. All right, Ruby, let's learn about the Courage Supporter Group, the Uproar. I mean, I really want to understand the interaction between that front office and the Uproar during all those crazy times. It's a good interview. Can't wait to share it with you guys. So we will see you at Red Bull Arena. It's finally here, Ruby. It's finally here. Empanadas, here we come. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Welcome to another Challenge Cup preview interview. We got a great guest to preview our game against the North Carolina Courage. Our guest is VP of the Uproar, Jessica Turner. Welcome to the show, Jessica. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited for this interview. Supporter groups are the lifeblood of soccer. I can't wait to learn more about supporter culture in the good times and the not so much good times. But before we begin, tell us a little about your soccer journey to the VP of the Uproar. So I grew up playing soccer as a kid. That was my sport I played all through high school. And then I moved back to North Carolina um, in around 2016. And I found out that we were getting the courage here in 2017. So I immediately bought season tickets. I was there for every game. I was like, I love this. I love this team. I'm so happy that they're here. And then after the World Cup in 2019, the uproar was started by Dave Warner and Patrick Sloan. Because they really felt our women's team needed a supporters group just for them that are out there at every game, really supporting them. And so when I found out that was starting, I was like, I really want to get involved in it. And basically, I just kind of kept showing up and kept helping out and helping plan stuff. And that just led to a, a leadership position for me. So, And you said the uproar is just women? Mm -hmm. At our club, at NCFC, we have a men's team that plays in USL 1, I believe. And then we have a women's team that plays in the NWSL. And so we have a supporters group um, just for the men called Oak City Supporters. Um, and then we we work pretty closely with them because there's a, you know, there's a lot of overlap for people that support both teams. Um, and then we do do some joint events. Like we have some pride jerseys that are coming up. We've done away trips together. So we support each other across teams. Cary is an interesting place. So tell us a little about Cary slash, I guess, Raleigh uh, as a soccer town. Like how does soccer fit into the hierarchy of sports teams? Yeah, I think that Raleigh slash Cary, kind of the triangle is kind of what we call it in this area, um, is a little unique in that we actually only have one, what we would consider kind of like top tier, like the big four sports teams, and that's a hockey team here. And so, and so there is a lot of space here for other sports to thrive and for people to be involved in them. We have a really long history of youth soccer in this area. You know, we have UNC Chapel Hill, which is a women's soccer powerhouse right down the road. Carrie has hosted the College Cup many times. We're going to have a new women's team in the USLW starting this year. So there's definitely a culture of youth soccer in the area, you know, women's soccer on the collegiate level. And then also in the pro level, you see that with the courage that it's here. There's a culture here and people are really involved in soccer in this area. Tell me if you think this is true. Until the CBA was reached, supporter groups were the ones who were fighting for the players' rights and the players making the conditions better for the players. Yes, I think that is true. I would definitely say that. Our league and our clubs have not always put player safety first and player just what the players need. And I think that supporters groups have been on the front lines of saying, 
you know, these are the realities that the players are living with, whether it's facilities that they're using for practice, whether that's living conditions, (laughs) and being able to be vocal about that and to say, our league needs to be better and it needs to be better in these ways. So I definitely think supporters groups have been at the forefront of that, as well as players, of course, have always been pushing, you know, for better for themselves as well. And taking a step back, so why should someone join a supporter group? Yeah, I think the number one reason why I joined a supporter group is the community. I've made amazing friends through the uproar. I'm the type of person that, you know, I love soccer. I love women's soccer. I will talk about it all the time. And I have some friends that, you know, their eyes kind of glaze over. But when I'm talking to people that are members of the uproar or other just like, you know, SGs, you know, I can have a whole conversation about formations or who scored the best goal or who should be called up to the national team. And, and they get it. And they also are like, oh, I think this person or this goal was really great. Or have you seen this thing? Because they, they're passionate about it. And so it's just nice to be with a community of people that are passionate about the same thing you are and just to build those connections. So that's, that's really what brought me in was the community and the people are just really amazing. And um, that shared just passion for soccer. And even if you're not sitting with the supporter group and that, you can still get a membership. And what it does for me, it gives you ownership, essentially, of the team. So ownership stake, I feel, because the supporter groups will will lobby on your behalf. If you think something needs to be changed or anything, supporter groups are the ones you're going to talk to because they're going to have the ear of the GM and they're going to have that connection to the team as well. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to a supporter group, you guys had it good for so long. You guys were winning every year. It seemed like you guys were in the championship every, at least every other year. Things kind of took a turn last year. Well, completely. How do you feel the team has supported your supporter group during that? Like, what was the relationship between you guys during the, that he who should not be named thing? Yeah, um, I think uh, last season during the you know Paul Riley scandal, I think that the front office definitely took the time to to talk to us as supporters. I remember uh, we had a, I think it was either our first tailgate after Sean, who's now our current head coach, came by. He was the interim at the time, but he came by the tailgate and talked to us about that, about what was happening, what was going on. Um, and so I think the front office tried to do um, the best they could to communicate what was happening, you know, as much as they could. Um, to fans and to supporters about kind of what the way forward was. Um, You know, our relationship with the front office to this day is, you know, it's still cordial. We've had meetings with front office staff. We've had meetings with owners. We've had meetings with um, our new president. We continue to have meetings with the front office. You know, the door is always open uh, for us to have conversations with them. And recently, there obviously was another controversial signing by the team and you guys were was it all the supporter groups together working with that protest or was it an individually based thing? So uh, the protest right now is individually based for the uproar. It's a, it was a really hard decision for us to take because uh, we a hundred percent want to be, you know, in the stands. We want to be chanting. We want to be attending games. We want to let the players know that like we are behind you all, but we felt like, our front office continues to make decisions that go against the values of us as a supporters group, as many of the values of our, um, of other fans. And so we felt like we had to take a stand because we had so many people, you know, in our DMS, one-on-one conversations and emails expressing 
the pain and the hurt and the alienation they felt from decisions that the club was making that we felt like we cannot just go back and continue to chant and drum and do everything as usual like there is not something happening behind the scenes so we had a lot of conversations in the off season as i said before some of them with were with some senior leadership you know in our front office with members of our sg with just like broader courage fans and that's this is kind of where we landed was like, this is a stand that we are willing to take um, right now. And is this something that's going to continue for a little while or did you take a major point? I think right now we are, we're still in discussions, honestly, about what the full season looks like for us. The Challenge Cup is kind of a mini, you know, it's like a little mini season, not mini season, but it's like its own little standalone thing. We only have three home games. And so I think we're in discussions around what does our in-game presence look like for the whole season. So we'll kind of, as that comes into fruition, we'll definitely let people know um, what that's going to look like. As a supporter group VP, what are some of your favorite supporter group moments? Favorite supporter group moments. One of my favorite supporter group moments is, so our our SG started in 2019 after the World Cup. So maybe like August-ish. And we hosted the final in 2019 here at Wake Med. And we threw a huge tailgate. Basically, it was like, I don't even know, 48 hours or something. We just like threw together this huge tailgate. And a bunch of people came. It was really exciting for the final. And um, we had a packed stadium. We sold out our stadium. The supporters group section was packed. People were drumming. People were chanting. And then we ended up winning the championship at home. And so... I think that's probably one of my favorite supporter moments. It's just us being able to kind of come together and, you know, throw this great tailgate, have a really great pack section, and then to see, you know, our players lift the trophy at home. It was just, it was really meaningful. And I think being on the other side of it now, looking back, I cherish it even more because I'm like, who knows, you know, when we're going to be able to lift another trophy at home like that. So it's very, it's very meaningful. I look back on that a lot. So do you guys tailgate before every game? Yep, we tailgate before every game up on, we call it the hill, but if anyone's ever been to Wake Med, there's a sculpture kind of in the middle of our parking lot, and so it's just right by the sculpture, and we call it the hill. And so talk a little about this team. So you had a pretty good start so far to the season. We're recording this interview before your, I think, you have a game on Wednesday, correct? Um, but you had a pretty good start to the, to the Challenge Cup, two wins, so top of the group. What do you think the feeling is around the club at this point? Is it just... You weren't expecting this and so I I was I was a little I don't a little surprised. I'm a, I'm a little surprised about how well we're doing. Um just because we've had um so much turnover in the in the off season. There's a lot of fresh faces on our team, you know. We traded, you know, Lynn away, Sam Mewis, Jay Mack. You know, Kristen Hamilton, A-Rod retired, Ricaro went to L.A., Doll Campers in San Diego now. And so we were bringing in a lot of fresh faces. And so I wasn't sure kind of what would that look like, right, in the beginning. I also was thinking that maybe we'd be rolling out a new formation. So I was thinking, okay, what is the new formation going to look like? You know, how do these people fit into this new formation? But what I've seen from the, the, the two games that we have played is it looks like we are playing a box-like formation. I don't want to call it like the box, but it's it's very similar. It's very boxy, I will say, um, like formation. Um, and so I think I think that to me was a, I was a little surprised by that because I was thinking, you know, we're kind of returning the page now. 
Um, we're kind of in the middle of a rebuild. We have a new coach and we're bringing in new players. So maybe there will be something fresh tactically, but, but I, you know, I was pleasantly surprised that we are, we won two games and we're, we're at the top of the East standings. So. Yeah. And tell us a little about your coach. Uh, he's, he came in last season, mid season, and it felt at least from the outside that he was like, this is a temporary thing. I don't know if I can handle what to do as it being a head coach. And then it seemed like everything started working out well for him. The players rallied around him and it's like his team now. Uh, so tell us a little about, about how he has molded this team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Sean has a long history um, here in North Carolina. He's been coaching in our academy system for quite some time. And I've actually only had a few brief interactions, conversations with him. But my understanding is that the players really supported him in getting this job and, and becoming the kind of permanent full-time coach. And so, as I've said, we, we've seen some, some new faces come in, but it seems to be kind of the same tactical formation for the most part that they have been playing um, for a few years now. So I'm really interested to see as the season progress or season starts and then begins to progress, how much he puts his stamp on the team and, and kind of what that looks like going forward. I think, I think that's a little bit still to be seen just because, you know, we've only had two games. So, you know, it's not a big sample size to really look at. And one of your new players is a former Gotham player and she seems to be thriving in this new system, Brianna Pinto. So what have you seen from her that impresses you? Everything. (laughs) (laughs) I've actually, I personally have been pretty high on Pinto for a while. I've, um, um, when she was at Chapel Hill, when she was on the U20s, um, I think she was on U23s for a while as well. Um, I've been pretty high on her. And I think what I think of her as a player has only gotten better um, from the two games I've seen with her. Um, I think just like tactically, um, I think that her awareness of the game is just, it's really, really, really high level. I've seen some flair, um, some flashes of a little, like a little flair, a little, you know, having a little fun on the ball around her, her goal in the first game of the challenge cup, you know, on that cross from Carson Pickett and she beat two defenders to put the header in the back. Like that's just amazing. And then in the previous game, I think that she just had some good flashes of brilliance. And so I'm excited if we continue in the same formation, I'm excited to see her next to Deb and to see them kind of playing off each other to see her learn and grow um, from Deb, who's such an amazing world-class player. Um, and I'm hoping to see, you know, Pinto on the, on the national team one day is, you know, my hope for her. I think that she definitely has the skill set, And, um, you know, I, I don't think that she is playing at her highest level yet. So she will only get better. You can just tell how competitive she is about everything. And that goal you saw that she scored, you saw that fire in her, in her, in her eyes. But, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, that was her first professional goal, and you could tell how much it meant to her, how much it meant to the team, how much everyone was, like, rallying behind her, congratulating her. Like, yeah, she has that fire in it. She's like, I want to be a world-class player. I'm going to put in the work to become, you know, that world-class player. And so I'm just excited that we are, once again, lucky in North Carolina to be able to have a player here and to be able to see them grow and develop, you know, into what I think. I think Pinto will be a world-class midfielder. So I'm, I'm very excited to have her on our team and to be able to watch her, you know, every week um, here at Wake Men. Yeah. And her, her family's there. So it's like, it's definitely a good spot for her to be in. Uh, so tell us about some other new players that came in. What player do you think is flying under the radar as a new player that everyone should know about? Ooh, that's a good question. So mm-hmm. 
I actually, I have been impressed by Berkeley uh, these past two games. Uh, she's a, a new midfielder that's come in. Um, I think she actually um, used to play defense, I think center back, I believe. And now we've kind of put her more in a, a D-mid role um, with Sully. And I actually think that um, she's played really well in the two games um, and has been able to offer some cover to our back line, um, but also move forward as necessary, kind of break up plays and then, and then you know, play the ball out as she should. So I think she's probably um, flying a little bit under the radar, as most defense defensive players do, um, unfortunately. Um, but I think I I've actually been like, okay, like I I understand this. I like her in this position. Um, I think another player that doesn't get enough credit is Kaylee Kurtz, who is our uh, center back who plays next to Abby. When Dahl Camper left, I think there was kind of a question mark of you know Dahl Camper, of course, is a world class center back. How, you know, who are we going to have to fill this spot? But I think last year and going into this year, Kaylee Kurtz has just stepped in and stepped up and has been amazing on that back line and has kept just the level very, very high on our back line. So I feel like uh, both of them are probably, I would say those are probably Kurtz players that most people are not talking about. Yeah. And when a team loses as many, I guess, world-class face-of-the-team type players, who is the player that you think is the face of the team now? I don't know if we have a player that is like the face of the team. My hope is that that Deb would be the face of the team, Dabinia, I should say, going forward, because she's just such a brilliant, amazing player and a joy to watch. And I think even a casual soccer fan would enjoy watching her play. I also think that I think Pinto could be the face of our team going forward She's, you know, she's a young player. This is her second year in the league. She's from this area. She's deeply rooted in this community. She's also very exciting to watch. So I think either of them could really be the face of our team moving forward. And I think people would be excited to come watch them play. So what are your expectations for this team before these first two games and then after these first two games? How good can this team be? Yeah, I think before the first two games, my expectation was... Um, let's just see how it goes. Let's, you know, see some new faces in, get some minutes for maybe some of the younger players and kind of figure it out and use this as a testing ground for what the regular season could look like. After the first two games, you know, part of me is thinking like, you know, could we make a run in the Challenge Cup? That is, I think that is a real possibility for us to make a a run in the Challenge Cup. And then I think for the season, I think it would be good to to make the playoffs again this year would be my hope for this team and to kind of learn and build um, from that. Um, I mean, you know, I feel like deep down as a fan, there's always a little part of me that's like, want to win, <laughs> you know, I want to mm-hmm. win the shield and the championship. I want to win that every year. But I think, I think just with the turnover and um, the season and it's a long season too, you know, it's a long, it's a long season. I think making the playoffs this year is probably a good, um, is what I hope for the team. Yeah. So where can people sign up to be an Uproar member? People can sign up to be an Uproar member on our website, which is uproarnc.com. It's U-P-R-O-A-R-N-C.com. It's $40 to be a member. Five of that um, goes towards the Black Women's Players Collective. You'll get a scarf and a shirt um, with our membership uh, as well. And then we have a Slack channel for folks to kind of get more involved as well. So when it comes to the songbook, do you guys have like a songbook or do you just come and go and learn yourself? 
So we have chants and they are on our website. We have a chant page on our website so you can go see mm. our chants. We are in the process of updating them because we do have a few chants that were about specific players that have now been traded or have moved on to other teams. Right. Um, so we're in the process of updating um, some of our chants, but you can find our chants um, on the website. Sounds good. All right. So Jessica, we've come to the end of our interview. I really want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us. So to the fans, we thank you all for tuning in. I learned a whole lot. For Jessica, Ruby, myself, we thank you for tuning in. Gotham takes on the Courage, April 3rd, Red Bull Arena, 3 p.m. I'm ready for this matchup. Are you ready, Jessica? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready for this matchup. I'm ready for the rematch because I expect Gotham to come out a little, maybe a little more fire because, you know, they didn't win the first game. I expect Christy Mewis to be playing for you all, so that to bring you all that spark as well. So I'm excited for the rematch. Yeah, let's hope we have a little more fire in that first game. We were sleeping. <laughs> all right, let's go.